0: Welcome to another episode of Daddy Square. I'm Jan. I'm Alex. Hi, Alex. Uh, Hi, Jan. I've talked to you before, but okay.
1: (laughs) We're getting ready for uh, the holidays. Yeah, it's Hanukkah on Sunday night. And uh, our school, it's a Jewish school our kids go to, and they sent home. Those of you who are Jewish who are listening will know exactly what this is. It's uh, Hanukkah menorah, Hanukkiah, made of bolts that you screw screws into, you know, bolts that they glue to the thing. All of you have made one of those at some point in your lives. I haven't. And well, okay, fine. And now we have them of our own from our own children.
0: This is Jewish. But one thing that is common to all religions yes. is the winter break, which Ugh. is we are. Already got all stressed about. Yeah, we don't want to badmouth
1: our school, but it does seem (laughs) as if like whenever Monday comes, they say, Tuesday through Friday,
0: we're closed this week. (laughs) If I uh, get the kids to school on a Monday, all I hear is TGIM from parents. Yes, thank God it's Monday. It's true. If you guys have any ideas of what are you going to do with your kids on the winter break, please let us know at hello at daddysqr.com. We also want any kind of ideas you have for episodes. We
1: want feedback on how we're doing. We want to make this thing better, and we want to make this thing valuable to
0: you guys. Today, Alex, we have a very full episode, so we're going to talk less and hear more from this conference that we went to in New York a few weeks ago. Wait, I have to talk less? We flew to New York to take part in uh, the Men Having Babies Conference in New York. They have conferences all over the world and you're going to hear more about what this conference is and you're gonna get all the feel of the conference throughout this uh, episode. We have four short interviews. This conference is focusing mostly on um, biological parenting. So it's specifically about that, and it's great that it comes right after the episode where we talked about alternative forms of parenting. Yes, so we're going to jump right in, right? Let's is do that it. Okay with you? Uh, the first one that we're going to uh, listen to is our interview with Anthony Brown. He's the founding chairman of Men Having Babies, and let's hear the interview with him on the conference. Let's go. We're here with uh, Anthony Brown, uh, chairman of the board of uh, Men Having Babies.
2: I'm the founding chairman. Oh, wow. I am now the chairman emeritus. Ah. I have just, just passed that on to a wonderful man named uh, Sherman Taylor, but I was the, the founding chairman of the so board. So that
1: means that after many years of the hard work, you get to now allow somebody else exactly. to do more of the hard work and you get exactly. to be emeritus? Exactly. That's yes. great. <laughs> Six
2: okay. years of, uh, of, uh, of really developing something that went from 20 guys in a room at the gay and lesbian center to 300 guys here and in brussels and, right. and toronto and taipei and it's it's just incredible so I mean, let's, let's go
0: back a little bit so you you know the history of the organization yes. tell us a little bit about yes uh, we we babies.
2: started we started um at the gay and lesbian center In New York, we were a small group of guys who wanted to get as as many answers to the questions about biological parenting as we could. So we had monthly meetings, and Mm -hmm. we invited in uh, anyone who could answer those questions. We invited in doctors, and lawyers, and um, parents, uh, surrogates, psychologists. Uh, basically, the whole gamut, and this was a focus on biological parenting. It was specific on biological parenting. The Gay and Lesbian Center has a lot of family programming, right? And this one was was very specific to, to um, biological parenting for men. Yeah. So from that month, from those monthly meetings, we developed this full uh, conference format, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and developed the relationships with our sponsors and. Eventually, we had to break away from the Gay and Lesbian Center because our dream was to create a foundation that would help financially uh, individuals and couples who wouldn't uh, otherwise be able to afford surrogacy. Right. Right. So to do that, we had to become a 501c3. We had to be our own nonprofit, and we couldn't do that under the umbrella of the Gay and Lesbian Center. So that's when we broke off. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, we also uh, have created the first only framework of ethical guidelines for intended parents to go through the surrogacy process because I think a lot of people, uh, my husband and myself included, felt like we wanted to adopt. Right. Uh, And that was where we first put our, you know, our initial um, energy. Um, We didn't know what surrogacy really was. Uh, We had an amazing gift from the heavens that allowed us to do this, but Mm -hmm. We wanted to one of one of the inspirations for creating this framework was to help other intended parents understand the surrogacy process, understand how to do it in the right way, that yeah. honors all of the parties. Uh, and and we were really successful with it. And the GPAP program, the gay parenting assistance program, the foundation, yeah. has now given away over $2 million in wow. discounted services, donated services, and cash grants. We've had wow. 33 babies, wow. two families born. And they <laughs> belong to, to your organization. are yes, your property. Now, I wish I could claim that, but <laughs> I am very happy to say our organization helped their families have those children.
1: Can you, can you go back for a second and talk a little bit about the... Framework for ethical... What was it? Framework for ethical yes. guidelines? Because I'm really fascinated by... This is the question and the balance between other options for having children and surrogacy. Is that the primary question?
2: That's that's one of the questions. Um, one of the questions that has emerged as being even more significant from that is it's providing states like New York that currently are attempting to develop legislation... To regulate compensated surrogacy, and also in Europe, where compensated surrogacy has a very uh, uh, yeah. it's very misunderstood. So our ethical guidelines have become uh, a sort of a roadmap for the gay and lesbian family organizations in countries like France and Spain and Italy, and Belgium, to say, "Hey, wait a minute! Look, th- look at this. Th- this can be done right. right." Right. So those guidelines contain basic, you know, uh, foundational. Um, uh, principles like you have to have independent representation legal representation for your surrogate your ah. surrogate has to understand in her own language everything that is going on right um, you have to uh, maintain a relationship with your surrogate uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then we also have suggested best practices and and by the way any of the sponsors that work with our organization they have to meet our guidelines well that's great right. they ha- that's the only way that they can be part of our organization. Yeah. Uh, and then the best practices are even more elevated, more uh, sophisticated levels of, uh, uh, of protection, both for the surrogate and for the intended parents, uh, mm-hmm. going into things like regulation about uh, 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 the compensation, to make the compensation more ethical, to, mm-hmm. to understand what the compensation is for, because a lot of people, particularly in Europe, uh, they, you know, they, they think it's buying a baby or they think it's <laughs> yeah. taking advantage of a woman when right. they don't understand that the women have agency. They understand what they're doing. They're doing it because they love it. They love right. being able to have, help someone else have a family. Right. Um, but they're also making an incredible sacrifice. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the the dedication to the process, the medical dangers to their bodies, the time that they put into it, the compensation mm-hmm. is is. Very justifiable yeah. right. when you think in terms like that. Right.
0: And I, I, I also know that uh, a lot of gay men are, are kind of reluctant to approach surrogacy in the first place because of the money, because it's like known to be an expensive yes. process. So how do you approach that when you talk in the conferences and yeah? Well,
2: like I, I, I'll give you some statistics that might help answer that question. When we started before GPAP, uh, the demographic of our audience, we would have 60 to 70 people and they'd be in their 40s and 50s. Okay. Now we have 300 people and they're in their 20s and 30s. Wow. Yeah. So the whole concept I think has changed. I think people see, you know, I, I grew up in a time when if you were gay, you weren't going to get married. You were, certainly weren't going to have a family. Right. And now we're having, you know, young gay men coming up where they don't even think twice about that. Yeah. It's an option. So, so it's I really assume it's mo, uh,
0: more so you get more and more applications of people who want we f- to We absolutely
2: help do. And I think also more and more um, financial planners are including in young gay men's financial plans yeah. a savings program yeah. towards So how do you building. choose between them? Yeah, what's like,
1: the what are the what are the primary considerations the criteria yeah. for the program?
2: Uh, the criteria for the program, t- it takes into consideration a lot of, uh, of different factors. You have to be a gay man or a trans woman to apply. Mm-hmm. You can be in a relationship. You can be uh, uh, single. Mm-hmm. But if you already have a child, you're not eligible. Ah. Um, there are income uh, ceiling restrictions that change as uh, the the variables include your age and your earning capacity, where you live. Mm-hmm. So there I, I can't really say what the you know, if you make more than this you're not eligible. Mm-hmm. Because it changes from year to year by age and yeah. it changes by applicant and where they're from. Right. So I can say that I believe sixty percent of the people who apply for our stage one assistance, which is discounts on the services, mm-hmm. which can be as much as forty grand. Right. Yeah. Sixty percent uh, are six, are accepted into the program, wow. so it's a, it's a it's a very uh, it's very worth, you yeah, know, the sure. minimum application fee to to be able to to find out if you qualify for that. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell us about the time for families. Your website.
2: Yes, I am a uh, a trust and estates, family law, and assisted reproductive technology attorney Mm -hmm. i've been practicing for 15 years i did my internship at lambda legal and i got to work on the lawrence versus texas case which i think is like one of the foundational cases that changed gay rights Mm -hmm. for all of us because it decriminalized sodomy essentially Uh, so i knew that when i started my practice i wanted to do something i wanted to focus with the gay and lesbian community Mm -hmm. Uh, so i started time for families because there wasn't a resource out there that was dedicated to both uh, individual gay men, uh, coupled gay men, individual lesbians, coupled lesbians, married, domestic partner, that really walked you through the different steps of Okay, what are the questions that I ask about having a family uh, for lesbian couples? Do I want a known donor, sperm donor? Do I want an anonymous donor? Mm-hmm. What's the relationship like gonna be with them? I'm a, I personally am a known donor to uh, a lesbian couple. I have two daughters, so I knew, you know, from personal experience what this process was like both from a legal and a personal perspective so the site goes into that it goes into ethical surrogacy it goes into protecting your family once you have it uh, from an estate planning point of view from a parentage establishment point of view and it uh, and it also highlights individual stories there's a video library so it's 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 sort of a whole experience for uh, uh, gay and lesbian individuals and couples uh, who are interested in uh, Protecting their family or having a family—that's
1: well, great. You know, we went through the surrogacy process, and I think we would have benefited tremendously from your from your help. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> if only we could go back in time. This was—it was a very, very complex process, obviously, and many, many unknowns. And I can understand why this would be incredibly beneficial, even from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. it
2: really is. A, a, it, it's also—I have to tell you—an incredibly rewarding. Uh, way to be a lawyer Mm -hmm. because uh, I I, I thought I wanted to work at Lambda Legal right? and then I worked at Lambda Legal and I was at a computer for 12 hours a day and I realized no, I want to be out with people. I want to help people. Have you had any horror
1: stories? You don't have to tell us what they are, but I imagine that there are occasional fiascos
2: in the legality surrounding gay parenting. There are and uh, uh, fortunately for me, I haven't had any uh, surrogacy horror stories. The surrog- but to be honest with you, there are very few surrogacy horror stories now because it's there's so much experience in the organizations, the agencies that right. facilitate the process. Mm. And also they know like the the majority of the of the bad stories came from traditional surrogacy where the egg donor was also the surrogate mother right. and yeah. she had an emotional attachment to the child and, and yeah. didn't want to give them up. Um, where I have seen some issues uh, in my practice is in uh, having known donors for lesbian couples yeah. change their minds about the relationship necessarily that they wanted to have with, their, uh, with, the, with the family and with the children. Mm-hmm. And the, unfortunately, the, the most, I guess, inflammatory aspect of my practice is probate. Because when people die and there's yeah. money involved, everyone goes crazy but that's regardless of sexual orientation right, yes you right know, so uh, so that's that's the money is the great
1: great equalizer it between is between the, it, yes. it does so much
0: you know uh we had uh, one uh, one listener who kind of uh, wrote to us after the episode with the doctor we we interviewed the uh, dr guy Rindler yes. on our podcast yes uh so he told us the story about uh having had a surrogate sign up with a surrogate and she went through partially like the the process and then she decided she doesn't want to do it and she quit. Uh, and that was very, uh, he That's described that it was very stressful for yes, him. and it's absolutely. such absolutely. So did it ever happen and what do you do in this case? Do you return the money? What, what happens?
2: You know, it, it, it's a, a lot of things you can try to contract away. When I heard that story, the f- first thing that I thought was psychological screening. Invest in psychological screening prior to the to the journey, mm-hmm. and most surrogates are married, have had their own children. They you know sort of know what the landscape is going to be, and they have a, uh, a, a an inner desire, usually motivated by a personal experience that they've had with their family or themselves with infertility. Right. So, getting the right person is the first step, and yeah. then after that, even if you've contracted around something like that, you know contracts will provide for different. Uh, it, uh, deposits into escrow accounts, and when payments are, you know, go out and are made. But at the end of the day, if someone breaks that contract, it's kind of hard to say. You know, you can't really demand specific performance. You're yes. going to have that baby because you told me. <laughs> right. That's not really realistic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. um, especially you know, not a baby. And and asking for the money, any monies back. If she's halfway through the journey, she's actually done right. things to earn. That compensation, right. so it's a it's a tough call, mm-hmm. and I think that the, um, honestly, the emotional
0: toll of that yes. is is more devastating than the legal toll of that. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, so just uh, before you go, I want you to tell us a little bit about your your personal story. So, uh, oh, you, I, would you to. it. I would love
2: to. I would love to. My husband and I have been together for thirty years. Uh, we thought that we wanted to adopt, mm-hmm. and so we went to all the adoption meetings at the um, at the gay and lesbian center, um, but. In the we live in the West Village here in New York and one of the highest demographics in the West Village are single older women. And like four of them lived in our building and we took care of them. Uh and one of them when she died, she left us a lot of money. Oh we had no idea because she was a hoarder and she lived in filth. But she came from this family money and all of a sudden we're contacted and we were able to have our family. Oh, my God, wow. it's a movie. It totally is. It's incredible. Actually, CNN did a documentary really? about our journey from the beginning to when I ended up adopting uh, oh, our oh, son that's afterwards. that's amazing. It's called Gary and Tony Have a Baby, and uh, it was yeah. on in 2011. Wait, but you just said that you adopted? I had to adopt him because at the time... Our son was born oh. in North Carolina and right. they didn't recognize <clears throat> our marriage. I mm. see. So they would only put my husband on the birth certificate. I didn't have any parental uh, relationship. Mm. So I had to do a second parent adoption back here in New York right. to establish my parental rights. Oh, okay. Mm. So now our son is 9. Wow. He's the, the light of my life. And um, you guys live here in, and we still live in the West in that in still tiny little <laughs> apartment in the wow. West Village. Wow, that's great. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so
0: great. Thank you very much. I just just, before you leave,
1: I just want to say there's a reason, Jan, why you interview interview people who have been working in this space for so long. They're good. He's (laughs) he just that was great. That just snapped.
0: Oh well, thank you very much. Thank you you very very much. Good luck. Thank you. All right. That was Anthony Brown. He kind of gave us uh, an idea of what the organization is about, how it came uh, to be, and what does it actually do. Uh, and of course, you can get all of the details on uh, menhavingbabies.org. If nothing else,
1: this entire uh, episode uh, helped me to recognize just how little homework you and I did before we had our kids. Because they have so many resources and so many ideas about how to help you. And meanwhile, we
0: just sort of blundered into this whole thing from the beginning. Yes. The next interviewee is Ron Poul Dayan. He's the executive director of uh, Men Having Babies. And what he's going to give us is their Conference 101. Uh, we focused our interview with him around Telling us what can you get from these conferences, who can come to these conferences, and what is actually happening there.
2: We can start. Okay. We're
0: here with uh, Ron Poole. Poole Dayan. Ron Poole Dayan is yes. uh, the executive director of Men Having Babies. Tell us a little bit about the conferences that you guys have, because it's happening all over the world throughout the year, right?
3: Yes, of course. Uh, this is uh, our 14th annual New York conference, but that's just because we're counting uh, the conferences we used to have when we we're still part of the LGBT Center here in New right. York. There used to be a program there. Uh, we've incorporated uh, six and a half years ago as it became evident that we wanted to, A, have uh, conferences elsewhere or events elsewhere where we already had a, group, a large group of people on our Facebook group and L, uh, uh, in our mailing list from outside of New York. But primarily also because we wanted to um, create what later was called or is called now the Gay Parenting Assistance Program. Mm-hmm. So that's what necessitated incorporating a separate organization. But naturally also grew uh, and from having one, two or three conferences a year, we started having six conferences a year, three years ago, and now we've gone to eight. Uh, which is pretty So much it's
0: the same cities every year? So, so we, we have
3: four domestic conferences, uh, mm-hmm. New York, San Francisco, Chicago, and Fort Lauderdale and Miami. So those are our four uh, regional conferences in the United States. Uh, and then our, uh, we have a very large conference in Europe, in Brussels every year, where mm-hmm. we have similar numbers yes. that you see here. Uh, we've had conferences in Tel Aviv for several years now.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, and uh, this year we've added uh, Toronto, where we okay. had a surprisingly large number of attendees. So that's, that's staying for 2019 mm-hmm. as well. And uh, the last one that we've added for 2019, which we're sure is going to be uh, the beginning of a tradition, is our Asian conference, which will be in Taipei. Right.
1: Wow. You know, we, we are uh, parents of twin three-year-olds, oh, and we did the IVF route and all that, which was quite an undertaking. Um, we, I'll admit, used our very extensive um, uh, approach to research, which was none at all. And <laughs> we we went into the process. Uh, we, we should have done much more. Uh, and I guess my question for you is when people come to an event like this, sorry, when people come to an event like this, what do you think that they are expecting? Um, you know, what, what kind of expectations do they come in with, and how do those expectations get changed by the experience that they have here?
3: The word conference sometimes uh, creates the wrong impression, the wrong expectations. It's not a scientific or educational conference in the classic sense that you come and you have one room about this type of medical procedure, another room about that type of medical procedure. Uh, some of the guys actually once um, used that term and we kind of think it's, it works, is that it's a little more like a boot camp. Right. Uh, you come here and uh, over the course of two days you are immersed uh, through this uh, very extensive 101, uh, you know, surrogacy 101 uh, a course with the with the addition of the ability to interact with people, that could be the providers you use, could be you know people who help you. A lot of people come to us, our board members and staff, and ask questions in between. And the ability to then go in-depth depends on uh, your, your needs, since we do have in-depth panels about the medical, legal, financial uh, aspects of the process. So uh, we know from people that many times uh, their expectations are uh, not very focused. They just kn- w- know they want to do something about it. Uh, they know that, um, as you know, in our day and age, you go online, you find a lot of information, but yeah, you don't know what is right, what is fake, what, uh, where to start, what is uh, mo- uh, financially motivated, uh, business motivated, what is actually more unbiased. So we provide the editorial authority that says if you want to embark on a surrogacy journey as a gay couple or gay single for that matter, about fifteen percent of our attendees in Edge conference are single gay men. Fifteen, Not one 15. five. Yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, if you want to embark on this uh, journey, here's what we think you need to know before you start. Here are the questions you need to ask yourself, and if you're a couple, discuss amongst yourselves. Right. These are the, the major decisions you're going to have to make along the route. So start thinking about it. Start perking your ears and listen. Listen when the providers, when the experts talk on the panels. These are the things you need to start collecting information so you can answer.
1: You know, you referred to it as a boot camp, which I think is a really, really interesting (laughs) way to put it. Because I guess uh, another question that I have is uh, people who go through boot camps, military boot camps, there is a certain percentage that drop off, (laughs) that can't make it. So I guess one thing I wonder is, do you consider it part of your organization's value? to actually help people occasionally to decide not to have children?
3: Uh, Well, what we always say, and I would reiterate, is that we're not an organization that advocates that you need to become a parent. Mm. We're not an an organization that advocates that you need to become a parent in a particular way. The mission uh, we have is if you're considering parenting, uh, we want to make sure you're informed and empowered as Mm. much as possible, Mm. and that's why we have uh, panels on the first day we have programs on the first day that we say the purpose of which uh, of the of which are to let you know what is it that mm-hmm. you're getting into right before so you can make the decision whether this is right for you or not uh it's mostly the personal stories panel which we started with uh it's the uh panel coming up uh, in a couple of hours uh which we call a mindful look at surrogacy where we pause for a minute and say uh this is going to be the birth story of your future child if you decide to take this path how yeah. do you feel about it mm-hmm. uh what are the things you need to work to consider from the psycho social aspects of this mm-hmm. what's you know what how is this going to be good for your partnership with your, some people want to become you know parents so that they can save their marriage you know it's yeah. like you know, spoiler alert. Not going to help. Uh, you know, things like that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. so, so, absolutely. Thank you for that question.
1: Yeah, and, and connected to it, um, uh, there must be occasionally, especially in your role, some controversy um, f- with organizations that are focused very heavily on adoption. Is there... Um, how do you guys uh, sort of interconnect with the other ways of having children
3: well good question first of all um our conferences are not uh identical so uh there are conferences where we feature adoption resources at our at our resource fairs uh Uh, it has to do with a city and let me actually back up and say that we don't consider ourselves to be a local organization obviously we're not a yeah. uh, an lgbt community organization but rather a you know an international organization that is focused on a particular uh, need and particular set of needs of the of the community so we partner with local community organizations everywhere we go so for instance in new york uh, there is a great lgbt uh, family building fair um, that is not coincidentally six month apart from our uh, uh, conference mm-hmm. that features adoption resources. So we're not going to feature adoption resources here. It's nice. a division of labor of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, There are places such as when we've been to Texas, uh, we've had our conferences also include adoption resources, same in, in, in Florida. If there's an LGBT center that we're partnering and has their own adoption resource uh, fair or event, then we're not going to feature them right. here. Yeah. In Europe, we have adoption resources for Europeans, since they cannot adopt locally. There are they don't throw as many people to jail in Europe, so there's not as many people to adopt there. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, also, there are several c- countries there where gay people can all, not even adopt yet. So there is what is is called uh, from the American standpoint reverse commute adoption. Uh, Europeans can adopt American children. And we have a session about that in Brussels, oh. uh, and we have partner, partnered with uh, adoption. Uh, so so we don't, however, yes, we focus on surrogacy, but we, we're not competing with adoption uh, organizations or adoption resources. On the contrary. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So I met your family upstairs when oh, we first yeah. came in. Do you involve them in every conference?
3: Well, our kids are going to be 18 in two months, oh, uh, yeah. my husband Greg and I. And uh, when we, when I started this organization, um, there was no staff. I was not even a full-time employee, uh, and my entire staff and volunteers were, were my family. So Which was,
1: by the way, when? I'm sorry. When did the organization start within the LGBT Center, and then when did it become its own?
3: So 2005 was the first uh, okay. seminar at the LGBT Center, and 2012... Mm-hmm. Was our first, uh, was, was when we incorporated and when we had our first uh, independent uh, conference. I see. It was still the LGBT Center at the time, uh, and then we outgrew that and mm-hmm. we moved here in twi- Well, your kids were pretty
1: young to be pressing to service. So our
3: kids were not even 12, <laughs> and they were doing registrations, just the two of them. <laughs> That's and great. And with my husband. Uh, so they've they been twins? coming to their twins. Uh, so they're almost 18 years old, a boy and a girl. They've been on the team panels. My son's going to be on the team panel tonight as well. Oh, that's great. Uh, uh, Eleanor especially has come to several of the conferences just to volunteer with me. I've been using my companion tickets, <laughs> uh, you know, on <laughs> to bring her along. Tomer and my, I mean, they all came to Tel Aviv, to Brussels together, my entire family. So it's very much been a, like a family uh, 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 pop and pop, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> business initially, but now Thankfully, it's gone so much beyond that. We have amazing staff. We have a terrific, very dedicated board. Uh, so you can see me smiling yeah. here <laughs> yes. and sitting even having these uh, few minutes to talk to you. Which that we appreciate. Not Thank you. for. So it's because we have an amazing staff and an amazing board. But,
0: Perfect. I see. There's a fair upstairs of mm-hmm. uh, many types of companies that uh, provide services mm-hmm. like fertility and surrogacy services, right? Correct. Uh, so, what what are the are there crit- is there any criteria to to get in? I mean, do you do a screening of the, the companies? Yeah, good question.
3: So, um, in order to be involved with having babies, all these uh, agencies and clinics have to abide by what we call the baseline protocols. So several years ago, we've created uh, what we call the ethical framework for sur- uh, for surrogacy. Uh, we created it in partnership with uh, a group of surrogates. Uh, one of them became uh, a board member, Michelle mm-hmm. Pine, uh, and in collaboration with several other organizations in Europe and in Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that, one of the first part, is statement of principles, which is what we use when we advocate for surrogacy legislation. The, the second part of baseline protocols, which is what those uh, uh, practices that we think are, should be the minimum for agencies and clinics uh, before they can engage with us in conferences or at uh, our Gay Parenting Assistance Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all the, the agencies above have, uh, are, do abide by these, and we turn down uh, you know some every year. Uh, and then we also just since I did mention the ethical framework we also have uh, the third part which is the biggest which is the best practices for intended parents mm-hmm. because we acknowledge that at the end of the day it's not up to the just up to the service providers or the legislator to determine how this process unfolds but rather the most of it you know is at the hands of the intended parents themselves and if they're more mindful and and if they Pay attention, uh, then they they're more likely to uh, have a, a process they feel better about, and that also is smoother.
0: And do you have all of the agencies' information on your website? How can people? Yes, yeah, so we have a
3: directory on our website. So of course we have resources on the website. There is no, uh, you know, al- alternative to really coming. I, I would say I have okay. to say that to this to mm-hmm. this conference. Uh, we even have clips online that I think that's still not the same as coming to our conferences. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, we have several very important resources on our website. One of them is a directory of providers that also includes, next to the names and um, uh, and links to those, uh, those providers, links to their rating and reviews profile, Okay. links to a video of their breakout session. The, those providers can uh, give uh, like breakout sessions of 20 minutes here and we video them, so it becomes a way for you to kind of like hear more about yeah. what they had to say when they were pitching um you know their services and also it has what they commit to gpap the gay parenting assistance program whether yeah. they commit a certain percentage of discount and maybe even pro bono services so that's all on our website
0: okay uh thank you very much ron you're welcome all the information it's a it's really an amazing conference and i, j- okay. I just want to say that uh, i'm glad you made it yeah. and on a personal level i'll say you know we.
1: We, as I've said before today, while we've been interviewing people, we, we did very little research before okay. we had kids. But the very fact that people like you individually mm-hmm. have done it uh, many years before we did uh, really, you know, at least I'll speak for myself, made me feel like this was possible. And so we have a lot yeah. to be thankful for.
3: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this is very gratifying to hear that. And it's gratifying to hear what people say after they've been here. I always say that for me this is like um, a karma thing you know I felt like I couldn't believe you know how amazing it is Mm -hmm. you know to have children and the thought that other people might not have children a because they you know they just don't know how to navigate that or b because they don't know they can't afford it's just a a kind of feeling I couldn't live with I felt it was bad karma you know so I just felt like the more people who do this you know the better it is for all of us and for me. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, Ron. Okay.
0: That was Ron Pouldayan, the executive director of Men Having Babies. Our next interview was with Frank Nelson. He's a board member of uh, Men Having Babies. He's actually from Canada, uh, and we spoke to him about mostly about surrogacy in Canada. Um, and Frankie and Alex uh, have teared up during this interview. So <laughs> that's going to be a very emotional. It was one. our Barbara Walters moment. We're actually uh, a podcast extension of a blog which your husband, BJ, was uh, interviewed for. I think it was a year ago. Oh, yeah. So.
5: That's why I recognize the
0: name. Per- yeah. Awesome. That is so, uh, how's Milo?
5: Milo's doing really good. He actually has strep throat this weekend. Oh. Oh my God. It seems that every time I go away, my husband just messaged me. He vomits in our bed, and so he said, "Oh, look at he just vomited. your child." Yeah, vomits. my child. I was
1: just checking because it could have been it, it could have been interpreted that he's angry at you for leaving, no, it, no. and your husband vomits in. No,
5: them. he's very you know he's a great husband. He lets <laughs> yeah. me do these conferences. That's awesome. Um, and he would have been here probably if he hadn't had a, his hip surgery, but. My son seems to get sick whenever I do a conference oh. and always seems to vomit in our bed, oh. <laughs> which is not, you know, fine. How much, old is know. he by now? He's four and a half. Mm. Oh, good.
0: Oh, wow. Awesome. So, uh, Tell us a little bit about your involvement b- with uh, men having babies.
5: Well, uh, I guess a couple of years ago, we reached, uh, I don't know how, but my husband actually uh, reached out to Ron in some capacity. We had some conversations with Ron about surrogacy in Canada. And he said, well, maybe we can have some, you know, You can do something for us. Next thing I know, they asked us to come here to New York to talk and then was asked to be a board member. So I think I'm here. We have a lot of people that are interested in surrogacy in Canada, uh, whether it's from Europe or in the States. So I'm just here as an advocate uh, for surrogacy in Canada. Why
0: do people are interested in surrogacy in Canada?
5: I think mainly because of, you know, uh, as far as Americans, I think because it's cheaper. I think uh, it's about...
1: I'm going to guesstimate to be half the price. Is that because of medical coverage in Canada? Or is it because of... It can't be the cost of the surrogacy, is it? The, well,
5: um, I don't know if you know, but the cost of surrogates are not allowed to get paid in Canada. They're allowed to be reimbursed. Right. Uh so
1: it's ah, the same in... The, is is it, it, no, I think they can get paid here, right? Here,
5: you are officially allowed to get paid. It's a okay. paycheck. Yeah. In Canada, it's there's no, like, ir Not IRS, but there's no um, accounting involved as far as that. They're only getting reimbursed for... For expenses put out, oh, wow. Also, the Canadian dollar. I mean, even if it was a hundred thousand in in Canada, that's seventy thousand U.S. dollars. Oh, so yeah, you're yeah. already you're already at a cheaper rate just just based on that. Also, for Canadians, it's a whole other thing. We have free IVF cycles run by the government. I mean, there's other things, right? So um, the medical. So it's that's huge, yeah.
0: right there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what kind of question people? Well, I think.
5: I, well, people. The problem with the reimbursement. Piece is that it makes people nervous because at least in the States you can uh, okay you're charging 40000 great. In Canada it's a little grey it's a little more gray, and I think you know. And the other biggest concern is is coming back over the border. We have a we have much more progressive laws in Canada. So I'm yeah. learning, like we don't have to do the second parent adoption. If you're married and you have a kid, doesn't matter which parent was mm-hmm. the bio dad. Oh, you're married, so they're both your kids. Yeah, and I often say that should be the way. I no offense to straight couples, but. You don't do a DNA test when your kid is born, and yeah. very well, your wife could have been sleeping around for months, right. <laughs> and yeah. you, and that father automatically gets parental rights. Yeah, and we, for some reason here in the states, it seems that doesn't work for gay men. Mm-hmm. Like, because I have a, if you're interested, like there's a couple from Canada that just moved to the states, and one was Israeli, one was American. <laughs> And okay, one, but that's American, what we do. American Shalom. was Canadian uh, as well, right? So they had twins. This is uh, this was crazy to me. So they came to and moved to L.A. And only the twin, that one twin, was what a parent
0: about this story. Yeah, I don't
5: one know. twin. Well, one, was Tell one the was,
1: podcast. Tell the podcast. Yeah. One
5: twin was a parent. They were each had different bio dads, yes. but they were twins. So only the twin to the American dad got citizenship. The, Isra- <laughs> the Israeli they were refu- they're still refusing to give the Israeli dad
0: yes kid returned.
5: citizenship in the state. Wow so, so that's what I mean by in Canada Well I would like to think that that wouldn't happen in Canada because I think that's very sad. Shouldn't it just be you're married you had yeah. kids. You get citizenship. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. That's, what That's what I feel. Fascinating. I, I, I'm not part of. <laughs> I, you know, I don't decide these things. <laughs> so,
0: oh, you're not. You're not uh, president of the United no, States. I'm, not president. I'm sad to hear that. <laughs> so, uh, when, um, so when you come to these events, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people approach you, what is their biggest fear? People this are so world?
5: worried about public perception. People are still. I'm always surprised by that part, you know. And then people are worried about how their, ki- you know, that we do this teen panel, and the questions still are. Uh, You know people don't bully you you know all of that stuff and I I don't know when I became a kid a parent I maybe it's because we're in Toronto It's a very free-thinking city that I just don't have these I we're so supported by our community So I'm still surprised that so many people have that internalized fear of what Mm. their kids are gonna go through
1: I have to say what's the most shocking to me is that people's greatest fear isn't having children (laughs) I mean, in in all honesty, of all of the things to be afraid of, it's the very fact that you're about to take on this awesome responsibility. And I'm I'm frequently surprised by how that seems to be a bit of an afterthought. Oh, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to have children and this is going to be my life. And it's a pretty big deal yeah but i think that if you're
5: you know my friend said it to me once we had kids she says, the difference between gay men's parents is you want it My uh, straight couples getting pregnant on their wedding night by mistake yeah and it's not that they didn't want children but it just happened we are planning it for two years saving up our money mortgaging yes. our houses yeah. so it, it, these children are not mistakes in yep. any means so you 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 know what you want. And I always knew that I wanted to be a parent.
1: Which is one of the things that I find so curious about organizations like these and the age ranges that come because of all of the straight men I've known who have had babies, I know very few of them who at the age of 25 or 30 would have been saying, you know, I'm really ready to have children. It was in every case I know of, it was their wife or girlfriend or whatever who had, you know guided the man into that process. I'm not saying forced, guided, right? And that's why when I look at gay men, you know, I, I had children when I was much older. I look at gay men in their 20s who are saying, let's do this. And I'm blown away by it. You know? I knew in my 20s I wanted to have children. I didn't ever think
5: it was possible. Right. Um, I was lucky that I had a role model and a cousin of mine who lived in L.A. and used said surrogate 25 years ago. Amazing. It was a traditional one. So not something you yeah. do now, but still. So he was always an inspiration. He just, he never told me how much it costs. He just said <laughs> it was astronomical. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I just thought that that was not possible. I, I mean, I agree the other day, I, I almost teared up while you're talking to me because my son turned to me, it's only four and a half. And he started talking about when he's a daddy. And I, it, it, oh. it sort of it oh. chokes me up because,
3: you oh. know, oh. it
5: just like, that's, what he sees men do? Oh, Sorry. oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> man, I think I'm know, getting there too. It just, it really, it really hit me when he started. When he starts, and I, I, you see it with girls all the time talking about babies, and I don't want to um, gender stereotype, but I was just so surprised that yeah, this is something yeah. he keeps talking. Oh, when I'm a daddy, and I'm well, like, you, oh, you have provided oh.
1: that 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 model. For him, yeah. I mean, amazing. and th- that there can be no doubt that, right in so many straight families, the children are going to look to the mother as the sort of source of this 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 child making thing. Yeah. And in the case of your family and in ours,
0: well, they got to find it somewhere else, and it's going to be us. Yeah,
5: yeah which I, is amazing. It it, it amazes me.
0: Um, so uh, one thing that uh, BJ uh, mentioned in the, in the interview is the the fact that you guys raised uh, Milo in uh, interfaith. House, yes. How does it work? Like, can you explain? You a know little what?
5: Bit? It's funny you ask this because I'm right now at a point where we just drove. B- so he just as a side, he um, goes every week to <coughs> soccer, and it's in a church, St. Bridget's <laughs> Catholic Church. And you know what? He called it the other day. We were driving, and goes, "Oh, I, I told Bubby and Zeta that we're gonna go to soccer at the place, the wedding place." <laughs> I go, to the w- "I'm like, what?" Oh, you know the place that people have weddings. So, and I'm I, so, as you mentioned, interfaith. We yeah. we have a lot of customs. We have not talked about God in any way with our child. So I, I I sometimes I'm not even sure where to go with faith. But yes, we celebrate customs around Christmas, around Hanukkah, and, uh, and you know we celebrate high holidays. But um, right now we're trying we're trying to just. Dis- figure out how much God we want to bring exactly, into our lives. Exactly, because
0: he was talking about bar mitzvah in Jerusalem.
5: Well, we, you know, it, it's <laughs> funny when I talk about Jerusalem and the bar mitzvah, I think, how much about God do I want? Like, I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm actually struggling right now about it because I have a friend who sent, uh, who's adopted a son and they sent their kid to Catholic school. And I'm like, I don't understand. I, I really don't. And I've actually struggled with understanding how anyone could send their s- Gay parents can send their son to Catholic school. It's not up for me to decide, but yeah. this is a place that doesn't honor their family. And I'm so I'm, I'm I'm struggling with the interfaith thing right now. I don't know until all faiths accept gay and lesbian couples completely. I, I yeah. just don't want him to be part of anything. I don't know
1: if that answered yeah. your question. He, he but does it's you know? You know, I'd like to suggest that you know we use the term faith a lot uh, yeah. to describe. Uh, religion and I guess yeah. it makes sense although there's a way of looking at it which is that in so in so many ways and I believe for the vast majority of people it's not a faith it's a culture and and therefore Judaism especially uh, Judaism especially but I don't think th- I don't think that Catholicism or any other form of Christianity is is removed from that entirely either I think there are a lot of people who say look this is the way I was raised these are the holidays that I do more than you know god looks like this and he says that so therefore we will do the following i believe that the percentage of those people is much lower than we than we think and there's yes. a lot of room for i it. i i agree and
5: i'm sure my friends are not sending their kids to that this catholic school was very open to their family right and they they're not you know they're not stupid people, and they're not sending them to a place that they're gonna learn that their family's wrong. <laughs> but I still, then I just, I'm, I guess I'm questioning a lot about God right now, sure. and what my own beliefs are as I'm getting older and other things. So I don't know what I want to. I I went to a religious school growing up, and yeah. I took mo- mostly culture from it. I was never that strong, so I. The, the yeah. talk about faith is a really interesting one right, right now. Yeah. I don't uh, know about you guys. But. So,
0: do you go to every convention? or? Do you, do
5: um, you I to go them? to the conventions that they ask me to go to. Okay. I don't. Th- we're not always needed at all conventions. Um, I definitely go to the ones around Toronto. Um, right. The ones that I think that they have some interest in Canada. Europe is a big one. Um, so, I don't know. I would love to go to Taipei, but uh, <laughs> I have... I, I, I don't know if I'm going there yet. Oh, I see. They, I, as a teacher, I need a lot of planning. Right. And they uh, sometimes ask you very last minute. And as a teacher, I can't just walk what out do last you teach? minute. Yeah, what do you teach? We got to uh, stop with that for a second. I'm a high school teacher. Currently, I te- I'm mostly computer stuff. I'm teaching Photoshop, Word. Oh. I do math as well. But do
1: your do your kid, kids or kid? I'm sorry. Kids. kids. Kid. Uh, kid. My son, yeah, your son, son, yeah. Does your son uh, understand that you're a teacher and sort of make the connection between that and his teachers? I I think so. This just
5: this past week, uh, he was sick and it was our exam day. I took him to school with me. He's been to school with Papa, uh, so I think he has some idea. He had a great time at work with me, playing with whatever whatever. I showed him how our three D printer works. (laughs) That's great. That's (laughs) awesome.
0: Will you have more?
5: Uh, I think we tried a year ago or a couple years ago. You know what? Being a member of this uh, board, really, I, we thought we had stopped. I came to my first conference. I'm like, we need to have another baby. <laughs> it just It's so overwhelming meeting these men all wanting to have children that I just couldn't help but feel. And then talking... About meeting men who knew that they wanted to have two or three kids. I'm like, how did you know? Like, exactly. we talk about this a lot. And I'm like, all I knew is I wanted a healthy baby. Like, I didn't even think that was possible. So I never projected right. uh, more than one. Right. And you know what? My son never asks If he was begging me every day for a brother or sister, I would probably say we would have another one. He right. <laughs> does not. We bring it up all the time. And so, when we bring it up, that's when he goes, oh, no, when I have my babies. Oh. So, I'm like, when you have your babies, that's good with me. <laughs> and Hopefully, right it'll be he, a lot cheaper.
1: Right now, he gets everything. so <laughs> <laughs>
5: We have a good life, the three of us. <laughs> yeah. We travel Thank really, you know, we, we have a good time. That's Thank great. you very much,
0: Frankie. It's been a
5: pleasure. You're very welcome. Bye.
0: Okay, we're back. Uh, with the last interview, this is uh, near Karen. he's from Canada as well, and uh, he talked with us about he, surrogacy from... He, he talked about
1: surrogacy in Canada for people who are from elsewhere, and the yeah. kind of services that you can get there.
0: And it's surprisingly, uh, if you are listening to us from Australia, this is apparently the number one country of people who are going to Canada to have babies. They're all part of the British Commonwealth, whatever the hell that means. Are they? Yeah, yes. Yeah.
1: Somebody could send us an email and explain to us what the British Commonwealth is.
0: Let's, let's talk about this. Okay, let's talk about uh, it. So He's we're really here with Nir so near, near Karen. Um, you, you're you from Canada, right? You came here especially for the conference? Yep. Oh I wow. came here yesterday. So t- tell us Last a little night. bit about about what you do and how you connect with these uh, conferences, because I assume you don't. It's, this is not your first one. No, it's definitely
4: not. Okay. Definitely not my first time. Okay. Um. So, like everybody else, have a personal story, mm-hmm. and about and we'll hear it. Yeah. Yeah, and about I think two and two and a half years ago, <gasps> when me and my my husband started our own journey, uh, we went to a clinic in Canada and. And long story short, we met the doctor there. And uh, at a certain point, the doctor asked me, what is your background? My name kind of tells it. So I told him, well, I w- was born in Israel and I'm in Canada for many years. And mm. then he basically said, well, there's a lot of uh, people in Israel that need to thank me. And I'm like, why? Say because I created them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, that's other than that, making everything way more less intense than the rest of the conversation we had a good laugh and then said like really is it even possible to have international surrogacy in in canada and so yeah said i didn't know i knew about you know places like at the past it was nepal mexico india and i even helped a lot of my friends doing translation when they needed it there mm-hmm. and it was around like under my nose that there is an option to help people and it actually costs less than what it was in in Canada and uh, sorry in uh, Mexico and others and it's less oh. complicated. So regardless of the fact that me and my husband has started a journey there, I came back home and I didn't even care about my own journey. Uh, I was just sitting and say I can't believe that I didn't know that it's a possibility. And I have all these people that going to third world countries, where uh, there is a country like Canada, which is exactly the opposite than third world. Yeah. it's an option it's actually costing less so after not sleeping that night um the next day i spoke to my husband and i told him um i have to do something about it i need people to know that this option exists because people cannot afford it and they don't know where to go and Mm -hmm. all they're going is to dodgy places so i went back to this doctor and i told him that i decided to open a non-profit organization that will help people go through the process in canada and more to inform them about the process at that point it was just informing them Mm -hmm. and he said wow this is amazing this is exactly what we need i want you to do it with us because we have that we need somebody to help them and we need you to help us at the clinic doing some stuff and um and this is how you'll be able to um to afford going to these places and sharing your knowledge about uh, about Canada, so I open that, and the rest is history. And then I'm a part of Create on one hand, mm-hmm. uh, but also a part of Babies Come True, which is kind of combined. But Babies Come True is really going all over the world, explaining people about Canadian option mm-hmm. and helping them go through the process in Canada.
0: Okay. I have a, v- a v- how long how long ago was it? Two years ago it Two? started. Okay, and and, y- so,
4: and did you? continue with your journey? To I have continued with my journey. Um, you know, you know, there is, a, I want to say there is a say in Hebrew, but it's really not really okay. relevant. <laughs> I'm not focusing on my journey because I'm helping right. so many others. <clears throat> okay. um, What's the... The status of the wh- journey no. is unfortunately...
1: No, listening on this podcast, because of the Israeli involved, we accept translations. So give us... What's what the so
4: I can say <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm really helping... Currently I'm helping over six hundred couples right now going wow. through. There's no other clinic, there is no other any organization that has so many people that helping them.
1: So tell me something. There are so we, we, we used an agency. Uh, based in Los Angeles that had nothing to do with Canada, but what they're the intention of or what they provide, right, is a kind of an end to end, they're going to help us find the surrogate, they're going to help us find the egg donor, they're going to uh, provide a relationship with the IVF doctor, etc. How does that differ from the service that you provide, which is what more focused on um, explaining the value of doing this through, through Canada?
4: Well, I think it's almost the same. Oh, okay. But there's not, I mean, the IPs don't pay me anything. Right. So okay. in one hand, I'm going as a representative at Create and Babies Come Truth to all the conferences I can in the world to tell people there is an option, Canadian option. What do you mean? Almost like a Canadian expert.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How right.
4: does the service, how does it work? What's the good? What's the bad? What's the ugly? Because it's never, never just good there's things that people need to know about Canada before they decide to go on Canadian route it's a very different journey Mm -hmm. so I'm making sure that people know it and then I'm helping them to go through the process so yes um, obviously working with that the biggest clinic in Canada there's no reason to work with any other clinic but then if they need egg donor agency then I'm going to give them the options and we will connect them with an egg donor agency same as basically what you were saying you had in LA I'm going to help them connect with the lawyer I'm going to help them connect with that I'm kind of Holding their hand throughout all the process, so same as this agency that you use, right? Except it's a service rather than something that people need to pay or sign anything with me or.
1: Yeah, that's actually a pretty damn big difference. Let me just be clear with you. <laughs> so it's it's good to so, hear. Well, I,
4: the thing is that I that when I was really down with with this whole thing, when I heard that Canada is a, a, an option, I told to my husband, Canadian have something that they call give back, and it's very big you have to do something for the world without asking anything in return. So it started by, you know what, I'll just do it one year without asking for anything, no asking for money, and then just rolled over.
1: So in Canada, one of the benefits from from actually earlier discussions we've had today, um, one of the benefits seems to be that because of the nature of medicine in it and the way coverage is handled in Canada, um, it's cheaper. It's much cheaper for me living in the United States to do my surrogacy in yeah. Canada, right? It's probably around fifty percent of the costs. So here's my question: Here you are going around telling everybody about how great this is. If you spoke to, I don't know, some revenue person in the government in Canada, would they say we love what he's doing or would they say, so, well, there's nothing we can do about it, but it's actually extracting um, yeah. services that we would rather not be providing? Well,
4: I, I what don't do you know think? about rather not provided. Canada always been a country that's helping other countries. humanitarian. There's a, there is, there is, it's a culture. Mm. It's a culture to help other people. So... When I'm going to show a video today in the breakout session and the video is actually not mine, it's a video of CBC, the documentary channel of Canada that did a video of tracking people through surrogacy and a part of when they did that video, uh, they did a poll and they're asking people, do you think that we should allow surrogacy in Canada? And then do you think we should allow the international people go through surrogacy in Canada And 90 percent, 94 percent of the people said yes. I don't know exactly how many people. I don't know what the background of the people, but it was open to whoever. wanted. That's incredible. So incredible. Canada is a country that likes to give back. Yes, eventually, I'm sure people are going to say, wait a minute, instead of finding all this uh, uh, diabetes medicine for people, we're spending the money on helping. But for now, People are okay with that. Now, right. there are other things that we're doing to help. For example, we encourage, strongly encourage for people to purchase insurance for after mm. Because mm. during the pregnancy, because of the health system, there's nothing you can do. It's a woman who's pregnant. But after the birth, when the baby is born, we don't want to abuse our government. That. Amazing, amazing ability to give that gift to other.
0: Sure. What is the percentage of people that uh, approach you from other countries rather than from Canada?
4: I would say that the majority today of that um, that program of the third party program are actually international. Okay.
0: Because is there any country in particular, or is it?
4: uh Yes. So I would say that. The number one country I would say right now is actually Australia, Wow! I want to say maybe followed by France, US is huge. We're talking about such big numbers. So the Mm -hmm. difference between the the third place and the fifth place is really not. We're really helping all places in the world. The part of what we believe is, and that's what I do, is go to these places that they don't have the ability to do that. If I go tomorrow to a place like Israel, when they don't have any other, ch- what is their choice? They choice is either United States or Canada. Not everybody can even afford United States and they don't even know that Canada is an option. Yeah. Then they go to all these dodgy places and eventually end up, Yeah, like they end up a few months ago in in, other, in, in yeah. place like South America. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry t- South Africa. The point is that um, we do have a lot of people that are um, international and babies come true, that concierge service of of Create Fertility Center is focusing on the international Mm -hmm. because somebody from Canada, from Toronto can just across the street, go to the clinic and speak to somebody and say, hey, I want to have a baby. What can I do? Yeah. People from other places in the world don't even know where to begin and they don't understand the process. And I prefer to help them know what it is Mm -hmm. in advance before they pay anything, before they commit, so they will actually know what they're in for. And that's what Create Fertility Center is is really focusing on. Right. So let's say that people hear it now in Australia or whatever, they can't uh, fly to Canada to meet you. Obviously, there's a, something they can do like a yeah. Skype. The process is that we always start with a video conference. And sometimes, depending on the place in the world, they're not always comfortable with that, but that's 100% what we, what I and our clinic and create and everybody demand because it's personal journey. We want to feed the face. We want to get to know each other. and. Mm. It always starts by me explaining them everything they need to know about Canada and understand the challenges of this whole roller coaster and not just a beautiful, rosy journey Mm. that with less than a year, you're going to get a beautiful baby (laughs) and no stress at all. The point is to do exactly the stress check that they will know what it is. Okay. And that's how people, that's how we do that close, close, far relationship.
0: Okay, uh, Nir, thank you so much for, for talking to us.
1: We assume that we can find all this information on True Website
4: or just yeah, or just get to us, BabiesComeTrue.com. BabiesComeTrue.com. And CreateIVF.com. Both right. of them were the same. So babies yeah. Come True, take care of the international clients. Of, ah. Oh, of, I see. Of you. that, but it's basically one and the same. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you. That's
1: it, basically. Well, look. I just want to say, first of all, that I was very impressed with the overall, with the event, and with everyone who came and spoke to us. Um, it it really it really touched me to see that these are people who have focused their a very big portion of their lives. In addition to, by the way, raising kids and having a day job in some cases, that they also do this. It was amazing. It's also amazing to see the size and complexity of the conference. This was a big deal. Yeah, and there were we. Just just grabbing people in the hallway for five minutes to interview them. Um, And thank you to all of them for their time in talking to us.
0: We want to really thank Men Having Babies for including us in the whole uh, arrangement of their conference. There are a few conferences coming up in 2019, so maybe you should check out the page, menhavingbabies.org, and you can see where you can go and have this experience. I think that beyond the education that you get, if you are a couple thinking about having babies uh is also the um, the, the the amount of people who are like you and yeah. it's so nice to be in this environment and people are so friendly to each other and who knows like maybe good friendships can can come out of that as well so um i i strongly strongly recommend to do what we didn't do and to go to these events and um uh, and to learn more about it. So much of this podcast is about us telling you to do what we did not do. So, you know. We were wrong, basically. <laughs> well, and you, you are wrong. right. <laughs> um, that's it from us for today. This was a special episode of That is Square uh, with a conference. Next week is a regular episode. We're going to have uh, one guest. and uh, um, We don't have regular episodes. <laughs> All of our episodes are special and different from the one that came before it. If you want to contact us and we love it, we love your comments, we love the interview requests uh, and all of your ideas, please send it to us to hello at daddysqr.com. Alex, have a good week. You too, Jan. Bye guys.